As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. My name is Sonny. I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Isaac Asimov. How are you doing today? <laughs> That's uh none of you are gonna get to hear that conversation. Uh, <laughs> I am good. What conversation? Uh, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, I am That's good. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, my, my hawk. Yeah, <laughs> my man. That's Cross it. my heart and hope to die. Uh, I'm good. Yeah. I just got back from, uh, Vancouver this morning. Uh, I had a fa- massive nap, uh, and, uh, I'm ready to get back into the swing of non, uh, non-YCS life. So naps are always W's. So that's wonderful. I'm very happy for you. Uh, why don't I go through the sponsorship reads? And then after that, you're going to tell us all about YCS Vancouver and your experience and only the good parts, right? Because everything was good, right? Everything oh, was spectacular. Hunky dory. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, of course, we want to thank all of our sponsors. So, a huge thank you to, of course, Tier Zero Games. If you want 5% off of your order and free shipping over on orders over $50, uh, because they are international, they're UK-based, but you can get free shipping on orders over $50, uh, just click the link in the description down below. They do pre-orders on new product. They're one of the first sites to do pre-orders. So, if something new is coming out, check them out. Also, of course, we want to thank Gem Accessories. I think it's 10% off of your order if you use our link, something like that, or I don't know, man. It's like 5 or 10%. I, it's hard to keep track of. 
Be sure to use Dragon Shield and TCG Player affiliate links. Of course, those are down below. Just click them before you shop to support the show at nothing extra to you. And of course, thank you to Steel Fox and ETB Games for their continued support of the podcast. Those are my locals. Those are my choice of game stores in Shreveport and Alexandria. If you're going, please be sure to tell them I sent you or they have, our T- they have their TCG pages down below. So with that said... Let's go ahead, get on into the podcast. After I thank our patrons, I almost forgot, but I didn't. So huge thank you to our patrons for their continuous support of the podcast. If you want the extra episode every week, it's $5 and up for that. If you just want your name in the podcast at the end, it's a dollar and up. So with that said, Skyhawk, go ahead. The floor is yours. Tell us all about your experience at YCS Vancouver. I have got the floor. So we can talk about the meta a little bit later. Uh, I just want to talk about the event itself because this is the first time sure. there's been a YCS in Vancouver. For those who do not know, I am from Alberta uh, and having a YCS this close to us is amazing. Uh, there were probably 30 players from Edmonton area that went to that event. Uh, one of them got top eight. Uh, shout out to Blake Morrison, uh, the lone cash player in top eight. Uh- <laughs> okay, yeah, but let's be honest here. Blake Morrison is not just an Edmonton native player that did well at this one event. <laughs> he also topped nats and the 250th and i mean he's a very well-known very good player true um but that and i gotta I mean, say still congrats but yeah, yeah yeah uh vancouver um the venue was fantastic the vancouver convention center was super cool it's right on the harbor it's very similar to niagara actually where it's by the falls uh but this this venue is awesome it's uh it was massive there was lots of space um there was lots of food nearby at like a whole bunch of different price ranges uh there's a sushi place called miku that we went to the first night that we went there um a little on the pricey side but absolutely incredible um there was a whole actually that might be that come i might talk about that a bit later but there's tons of food at different uh availability public transportation is cheap and easy to use uh, i think between myself my twin brother and uh, my friend Kevin, who also went, shout out to Sentai and Troner Bonner on Twitter. Um, <laughs> it's, that's, it's a Marvel reference. Marvel, it's it's Tron Bon. Um, <laughs> hey, that's fine. But I'll accept it. It's Twitter. Anything goes. He, um, uh, but so each of us probably spent forty dollars on transit the entire weekend. Um, you just get a pass, tap, you go on the train. Uh, if you're willing to walk ten minutes, you can get anywhere by the train. Uh, it was uh, just an unbelievably smooth experience. I know Tom Box on Twitter posted, um, like, hey, what were your thoughts? I gave, like, kind of a more detailed version of my thoughts there, but incredible. They got to have one here again. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, in terms of the event itself, uh, I, I did not do so hot. Uh, I took Unchained Fluffle, and I had to drop round three. Uh my opponent called the judge uh so this is actually an interesting conversation i spoke with ease pretty extensively about this after it happened uh fusion enforcers has uh, a print issue so the super rares from fusion enforcers have a really bad warping problem uh and i have never been someone who has double sleeved so my opponent called the judge secrets too the secrets too and it turns out my fluffle dogs were were too warped and you could tell the difference between where they were in the deck um and not, not to mention, like, a lot of my deck was warped as well. The judge who came over and issued the, the marked cards penalty essentially said, like, asked me where I lived. I said Alberta. And they were like, oh, yeah, it's humid. You need, like, silica packs in your deck box. And I had literally never heard of doing this. But apparently if you... Wait, live, really? Yes. 
No legit. Oh, see, that's something that a lot of people do in Louisiana because of the humidity. I have, I have never encountered that. And until recently, like, that's not been an issue in Alberta, but because of the forest fires and the weather, how it's changed, like, it started to get really humid, like, these last two years, right? Especially, like, this summer, like, exactly. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, So I hadn't, I hadn't even, like, begun to think about it, but they were like, okay, so you're getting a game loss and you have 10 minutes to replace the cards. And none of the vendors had Fluffle Dog or Fluffle Octopus. So I had to drop. Uh, oh man! And if I had if I had That's thought brutal. to if I had thought to check it before, I could have tried to find another copy of Octopus, or I could have tried to find the Megatin reprints of Fluffle Dog because those are rare and they don't have the warping problems. Uh, but right. Fl- it, part of the reason that Fluffle Penguin is so expensive, even though it's not widely played, is because near mint copies are hard to find because almost all of them are warped. <laughs> My penguins, luckily, were okay. Um, so I had to drop around three, and that was heartbreaking uh, because Outback and the Necrofusion enthusiasts and Synapse and Ease and everybody put probably hundreds of hours into this list. Uh, I have zero problem yeah. losing after putting that amount of work in. But to go out because an opponent wanted a free win is uh, is brutal. Luckily for me, uh, that guy didn't get uh, did not get rewarded. Uh, he he lost the next two rounds and then dropped. Uh, so <laughs> there was that i'm sorry However, i shouldn't cheer for other people's losses but you know in this case i'm happy about it that dude was a scumbag uh, but uh, i still had a great weekend uh, my twin brother did and uh, and kevin did a fantastic job of bringing me back up to spirits and cheering me up uh, kevin played vanquish soul went 2-1-2 uh, played against a vip uh, round four and ended their tournament run <laughs> uh, it was a labyrinth player who was very aggressively slow playing the entire match um, and, uh, because they were slow playing game one took like 41 minutes and, uh, then Kevin went, uh, Borger effect and it was a draw. <laughs> and nice. so that dude was like two wins, one draw, one loss, and they packed it up. Uh, and then my twin brother wow. played, uh, Nouvelles. Uh, for those who don't know my twin brother at, like I said, at Toronto Runner on Twitter, uh, he plays very strange decks. He doesn't like to play. He, his, his deck profile, he plays like Earth Machine, Dark World, and now lately he's playing 60-card Libromancer Nouvelles. Uh, what you need to know about Nouvelles is that the deck actually has like a very good matchup against uh, <laughs> against Kashtira and Unchained and Rescue Ace <laughs> because it, yeah. the, they all, all of their, most of their interaction targets, and if you target one of the rituals, you die. So... My Tanner lost two rounds in a row. Round three plays against a cash player who's also 0-2. Uh, Tanner summons uh, the little uh, one of the little ritual guys. And um, uh, cash player does a bunch of stuff, puts out a bunch of nonsense, uh, and then has a rise heart attack into the little guy. And Tanner goes, okay. Uh, effect of the little guy, tribute a rise heart. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> tribute a rise heart to summon no? Bale Grill. And if you do not know what Bale Grill does, <laughs> Bale Grill says if this card is summoned by the effect of the new bells, Dark Ruler the whole board, spells, traps, monsters, everything, and then also tribute all monsters your opponent controls. So this is a full field of big brutal. cash dinguses. Gone. And, uh, and then That's they, just brutal. they packed up their cards and left. <laughs> 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 so that was good. Um, and then the rest of that day, uh, just fun restaurants, karaoke, um karaoke night was good there are some karaoke deck profiles that will be up soon if they're not up already 
Uh, so those are fun videos. If you Karaoke check deck profiles. Yes, uh, they're specifically my twin brother uh, did his Nouvelle's deck profile while I was singing "Attention" by Charlie Puth in the background. Uh, <laughs> you just want attention. Anyway, uh, it's it's it is a legendary video. It's very good. Um, definitely, I recommend watching it. I will. I'll probably link it in the description. It's too funny. Um, Please do. Yeah. Day two, we just played a bunch of side events. Um, what was cool is that the new um, the new mat for uh, Rivalry of Warlords is uh, the art for Libromancer origin story. Uh, and right. so Tanner was very happy about that. Uh, Kevin ended up winning the mat for him at Rivalry of Warlords. I played in the charity event um, as like my one side event. And I double sleep my cards. Uh, luckily, so for the dogs, I was like, I might have to play Dino or Crystal Beast on Sunday because I don't have the cards. There was a local shop. Uh, shout out to Cute City Games that had everything but Fluffle Octopus. They had the rare dogs. They had extra copies of Fluffle Bear. Uh, they had basically the nice. whole like extra toy vendors, uh, extra Fright for Fusion, uh, every, almost everything I needed to replace. And then I sat that octopus under as much weight as I could put on it. And then I <laughs> and then I double sleeved my deck, and it turns out double sleeving actually does help to resolve that issue. So as much as I don't like double sleeving, I think I will just have to do it going forward to avoid that issue. Um, yeah, I think I will do outer sleeves rather than the inner sleeves. Um, my last thing that I want to say is that I got to meet some really cool people, and I got to meet a couple fans of the podcast. Uh, shout outs to Anthony, yeah, uh, who who came to talk. Uh, I had probably five or six different people come up to me. Be like, hey, are you Skyhawk? I'm a big fan of the podcast. Uh, I signed a couple cards. Uh, I had this, so there was one guy, uh, Tanner and Kevin can attest to this, uh, who was, I was he was like, hey, you're Skyhawk from Twitter, right? I was like, yeah. Can you sign my card? I've been trying to get people to sign it. And the names on that card are like Patrick Hoven, Pack, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Team Samurai X One, Milano, and and I was like, you sure you want me out there, man? <laughs> was, it was like it was a marshmallow that he asked me to sign. Uh, there's a story behind it. Apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I signed that. So I signed a marshmallow. On. I did. I signed another card. Um, the uh, and no, uh, I got to meet uh, Jaxel MS of the Curry Bandits. Uh, when he saw me for the first time, yes, yes. he was like, "Damn, you really are a giant." I was like, "Yep, you, you really are." People yep. don't. People think that that's just like a screen name. Nah, you're huge, nope. dog. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a tall dude. Uh, and for then, like American Skyhawk is like six foot five. And for the non-Americans, you're like what, two meters? Yeah, I'm like I think I'm 198 centimeters, or somewhere between 198 and 200. I haven't checked in like six years. Uh, the um, big, the, yeah. Uh, I also got to meet uh, the legendary progression series deck brewer. I wish I was dead. Uh, was there at the event? That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, he is an absolute gem. I have a story to tell about him in a sec. And then uh, I also got to meet Ror Carlos. Uh, Roar Carlos and I wish I was dead. Super nice. A very fun match. Super nice. She, she is she is just fantastic to talk to. She is awesome. I'm a huge fan. Uh, yep. I and, met I met her at the at Nats. Yep. Rourke is Rourke is awesome. Uh, aside from uh, being a tier limit apologist. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I guess I have two other things I want to talk about event wise. I'm taking up a lot of space here, but I'm I'm almost there. You're good. Um, so. In that room, so the event was only, I think it was only 720 players or 723 players, something like that. And I saw some people saying mm -hmm. it was a small YCS. The quality of that player, like player for player at that YCS was unreal. 
I don't know if you saw on Twitter. Like yeah. Tw- 20 of like the best European players in the game came over to play. Gabe Nets, yeah. Jin Kang Pham, uh, Quantal Think. Um, there are yeah. names I'm not remembering. Juhuan came. Uh, like multiple worlds competitors were like wearing their worlds shirts and coming to play. And then oh yeah, for North American players, Steven Santoli, Jesse Cotton, Pack was there. Uh, like uh, there are, there are names. All that the I'm highlights. Not pulling up. It, just an insane high quality of player was there. Like yeah, I, I think because um, I think I think Polly was there too, right? Yes, Polly Aronson was there. Yep. Oh, I got to I got yeah. to talk to I got to talk to Zara too. I totally forgot. Awesome. I, <laughs> there's it's it, uh, there's so much that gets kind of jumbled, but Zara was there dueling against people all day. So fifth rate duelist, uh, super fun to meet her as well. Um, no, player was good. So I do have a story about I wish I was dead that I have to tell. Uh, so please do. This is your time. I we were on our way out of the venue, but I realized that I had lent a friend from locals my place at a pot of prosperity, so I had to go back. As I was going back, I got a message. I was having a conversation with Rocalos, and I wish I was dead. And I was saying the only card that I'm missing for my max rarity uh, dinosaur deck is the collector's rare Pancratops. Uh, and I thought nothing of it. I just I just brought it up because Rourke was talking about uh, missing like one welcome labyrinth. Uh, I think the quarter century. So, and then that's, she's like, I side it out whenever I think I need to side one out so I can just keep the quarter centuries in. Uh, right. So I check a message and it's, I wish I was dead with a picture of a collector's rare pangrotrops. It says, meet me at meeting point red, you pee pee stinky doo doo head. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I will, I will come meet you. We will make this happen. I'll make it work. So I go, I go to meeting point red and he shows me the pancratops and I'm like, okay, like I'm pulling out my binder. I'm getting everything. He's like, no, this, I have one thing to ask of you, but this is yours. And I was like, you, you cannot do this, man. You, there's, this is like $160 minimum Canadian. I have to give you something. Like, we got to figure this out. Man. And he's like, no. I'll, all I want you to do is you need to tell MBT that he is a peener. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but you got it, man. So I, I showed him the mod chat. I tag, Love hey, that. at MBT Yu-Gi-Oh, I wish I was dead, says you're a peener. And he goes, no, no, no. You, I'm not involved in this. You you take my name out. This has to be from you. That's <laughs> like all right, man. So I sent it. I showed him, and I did. I did give him something because I I I I cannot in good conscience right. take a CR pank worth like a, <laughs> a week of food. A lot. Um. So I did have an extra collector's rare fossil dig and an extra collector's rare Zeno Meteoros, and I had a Chimera, the King of Mythical Beasts, the fusion guy. That's kind of expensive. So I was like, dinosaurs for dinosaurs. Here you go. But. Uh, that yeah. is that is how I got the collector's rare pancratops from I wish I was dead. MET Yu-Gi-Oh was a peener and you are a saint. <laughs> <laughs> that is my well, turn breakdown. Wait, who's a saint? Uh I wish I was dead. Ah. Oh, yes. <laughs> we all knew that though. <laughs> so I have I I have a I was trying my, my ADHD said Sonny, say this, say this, say this this whole time. But I was like, no, 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 I'm going to wait until the end. I'm going to wait my turn. I'm going to be polite because I'm trying mm-hmm. to be better about that. No, I I took so, up, I just took up 20 minutes, my guy. <laughs> you, <laughs> you take well, all the yeah, turn but you I want. do that regularly. <laughs> so I want to say first, you talked about Vancouver and how much you love Vancouver. My question is, we went to London together. I was there for that. The London public transport was also awesome. So my question is, how did you compare London versus Vancouver public transit? Okay. 
London covers a wider area. Sure. Uh, they're honestly very similar. Like, it's it's you tap card in the gate, tap card to get out. Very easy. Can you easy just do, like, your phone as you go through? Because, like, can London, use, you can just tap your phone. You can use your debit or your credit card. Uh, I think there's an... I think the reloadable oh. cards, like, um, they give you a yeah. bit of extra money so that you don't have to do, like, the credit card fees for, for their transactions, yeah. is I imagine what the situation there is. Um, yeah. Also easier for them to track stuff, probably. Uh, the reloadable card is super convenient to use. Um, in terms of the like the trains themselves, they're they're good. I'd say I would say the London system is probably better just because of how much more area that it covers. But it honestly, it at 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 some point you're splitting hairs, right? And it, like yeah, experiencing it for a second time, being like, wait, this is in a Canadian city. We could just have this in all of them. Yeah. Why don't we? <laughs> like like yep. in Edmonton, for example. Uh, we have the LRT, which is like a really crappy train station system that's not elevated. And so it means that it has to go in like specific areas and construction for it is super disruptive all the time. And that projects always constantly get delayed and everything. And it's like, why don't we just have an elevated train system? Then that way the NIMBYs don't have a yeah. problem and, we, we're, and we're good. Um, but the, the venue and but the, alas. the food and the transport was amazing. Konami, please. Just have two Canadian YCSs, one in Vancouver, one in Niagara Falls. Just do it every year. It's that easy. I'm so down. Because yep. it was this weekend a year ago that we had Niagara. Yes, correct. And they didn't do it at Niagara this year. They did it at Vancouver. And mm-hmm. honestly, I'm fine with that. I think I we should do both. Like one East Coast, one West Coast, two Canadian YCSs would change the game for everybody people wouldn't necessarily have to feel like they would have to go to like one or the other if it's farther away from them but they could yes. do both if they wanted uh it gets the east and the west coast of the u.s so it's cheaper for them to travel up for a ycs no yes minor. for sure i personally for me i think that i don't know why we don't do more ycs's i i'm sure that if you talk to like a konami rep there's like a a real legitimate like like what's the word I'm looking for? I just logistical. Had yeah, logistical. I'm sure there's like a real logistical reason for that, but I can't come up with it other than <laughs> Konami doesn't want to spend the money on venues, right? Which also I kind of understand, but realistically there's no reason that we shouldn't have two ICSs a month every single month minimum. Which I get it. We have like three or four this month which is very much not the norm but then we just don't have like any in october as far as i'm aware maybe one and then i don't think we have any scheduled for november or like yeah we have four this month but it leaves a lot of people unless you're like a pro player where you're kind of okay well i I, you know i i live in florida so maybe i can go to cancun that's an easy one to get to and maybe I can go to Indianapolis because I can fly there kind of cheapish, you know, whereas Vancouver or Rio being international is probably a bit more. Then you have somebody who lives in Canada, maybe saying, well, I can go to Vancouver and I can go to Indy because I can drive there. And it's not too bad. But then you have somebody in Mexico saying, well, I can do Cancun and I can do Rio because the flights are cheaper, but I can't go to these because you have to pick and choose which ones you're going to. Whereas I think if you spread them out, but more evenly rather than doing four in one month then maybe one and then zero zero 
if you do like two 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 it makes it easy for because like we knew we knew with one in rio one in vancouver followed by one in cancun a break and then one in indy we all know what the biggest ones out of those are going to be it's going to be cancun and it's going to be indy right followed by vancouver followed by rio that's going to be the order of attendance and there's nothing wrong with that it's just that when you have rio which was what five six hundred players it was 400 no i'm sorry it was 400 teams of three so 1200 so actually i'm sorry rio is quite large because i'm thinking of it in terms of like player count because the last Rio, I think, was 550 or 600 players, but this was teams. Mm-hmm. But when you have even 1,200 is like a pretty like modest size YCS, when you could spread them out, say maybe we waited a weekend and gave it a space for Vancouver, you know. But to me, let's say you do one in Dallas this weekend, one in Buffalo, right? Then you wait two weekends or three weekends let's just make it like every two weekends if you space it out i I don't know i think having them clumped together just makes it hard for people because they have to pick and choose rather than saying well i can go to this one and this one because they're like further apart paydays and stuff like that i i I don't know i might be thinking about this too much but i feel like there's a way to situate them better and space them out better but i don't know i i'm not in charge of event planning i i just try to go to ones i can go to i don't know yeah, and what well, this is interesting. So I think, especially with a lot of discussion about how Yu-Gi-Oh local scenes are starting to suffer with the way product has been, YCSs are something that are not suffering. They're actually doing like very, very well. Yeah, this attendance was low, but I think that seven hundred ish attendance was expected for a new venue and because of the location. Um, obviously, yeah. the Toronto one was larger, but that's just like a larger population that can get to that event, right? Um, well, I, well, it's not even Toronto; it's Niagara, right? Niagara, yeah. It's 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 real close, man. <laughs> but like, well, I think the only reason they don't have it in Toronto is because venue they had an crazy. issue with do what? Well, venue the venue cost I think is, would probably would be yeah. Issue. I think the venue at Niagara was just so much cheaper. But I, honestly, it, I don't think it has anything to do with it being closer to NYC because you're talking about you know seven hours versus six hours drive. Right. So. I just mean closer proximity to, to, to other, NYC. Yeah. I just mean closer to other people in general, right? Because just a higher population density in that area. So, yeah, I guess. Yeah. The other uh but like YCSs are continue to like be really really popular and do well, so could be that maybe the scenes are just going to start to concentrate around those big events uh at least in the maybe. last little bit. So, I would love to see more uh, we got Canadian Stream too for the first time, right? No, we did not. So I thought there was supposed to be. Nope, it was never announced. Uh, we did get the Team YCS oh. in Sao Paulo. We got Day Two streamed, but Canada still does not have right. a stream. And frankly, that is embarrassing. Crazy. <laughs> like, That's crazy. It is frankly unbelievable uh, that they still have not figured out some way to make it happen. And we have like, there are people here who could commentate that event so well, like. Uh, for example, uh, Tombox is local. Well, so Tombox was judging, um, and uh, yeah, I'm Nishi, sure, so but Nishi, he could have. Yeah. yeah, Nishi was writing articles. Actually, uh, he was uh, he was doing some of the written event coverage uh, on the Yu-Gi-Oh okay. blog. So 
they're starting to like maybe get there but it's slow going they should just have a stream for it it's ridiculous that they don't and i i there's not even i don't i guarantee you there's not a legitimate reason like it's just it's unbelievable but uh, it could be something to do with like transporting the equipment across international lines being kind of a hassle but to be honest with you canada should have more than one or two ICSs a year anyway so maybe give them their own equipment i don't know yeah i i it, it any any hurdle is overcomable by a giant company <laughs> is is what i will say um, oh yeah for sure i mean konami is a huge company like like really big company that makes a lot of money there's no real reason to not do it yeah uh so i guess I, uh no you go ahead. I, I did want to yeah i had just a couple more comments um how i want to ask that's kind of like a brutal thing to have happen right because you had a pretty rough situation at niagara and then london went really well uh, especially because i was there uh, but also a rough situation at vancouver so uh respectfully if i might ask because i think that this adversity is something that is something that a lot of people experience and i know that it hasn't been very long it's only been a day or two and it's still really fresh and it hurts but I am curious as to your mental process for overcoming that adversity going forward. Because it's really easy for people, I have my own issue with this, going to tournament after tournament after tournament and not performing to the expectation that I set for myself. So I'm wondering, you know, how you in your head overcome that. Because it, it can be a mental block and it can be something that's difficult to overcome, yeah. right? Uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm not there yet. Uh, the, I, I, I think I am different from, from most people when it comes to that stuff and that I have no problem with losing. Uh, like that right. is something that's going to happen. Uh, like I've been to regionals and been like one went off and that can be frustrating, but that's not a turn off to like either not continue playing or take a break or whatever, but to go right. out to, to spend a month building a deck that has an edge against a section of the format in a window of opportunity where people had started to cut droll and were put it pulling back on main deck hand traps uh, in a window of time where we had a month of an entire discord server working on text for the desk and testing it out at different regionals and locals and figuring out what worked and what didn't making like a whole spreadsheet preparing a video right losing with that like getting to play out the rounds not making day two or maybe making day two and flaming out there would have been like fantastic because that tells us what works and what doesn't that tells me what needs to change and what i need to improve right right going out this way doesn't have any of that it doesn't have any of that closure it doesn't have any of those results to to speak to it just has an opponent who decided that they wanted a, a free win because they didn't want right. to play it out and uh the guy had like an arg mat so they were an old head so they knew what they were doing um, right. And that type of stuff has happened to me quite a lot in the past. Uh, I have lost out on my first YCS top in the final round of an event because my opponent lied to a judge. Um, and that moral hazard at a high level of competitive play is something that is impossible to avoid. 
that to me is what is discouraging right. and that to me is what is tricky to overcome i'm not in a place yet where i can say that i'm over what happened although uh karaoke helped uh, <laughs> but karaoke and it was still a helps. good and it was still a good experience overall but i don't have any tips for for overcoming that because it's a there's no way to win in that situation you the my yeah like i i could have been more careful and more prepared i could have had spare copies of all of my cards but for a lot of people that's not realistic to do especially when you're traveling long distances to have a second copy of your deck um for me maybe it would have been more reasonable to have a spare copies because i'm playing something that the vendors might not have uh but this is not something i have ever encountered before like i have right. never in my life have i ever been like called for marked cards for for any reason right and uh yeah it is it is it is heartbreaking and frustrating and uh i i don't know where i will be with the game in a while but what i will say is that you you can step away without leaving entirely i was talking to my twin brother about this he plays uh fighting games he's a he's a fighting game player as is kevin he's playing sure. the vanquish old deck which makes that very funny um but speaking of we need to circle back around to that <laughs> yeah um and and he was talking about you can kind of enter like soft retirement right he's like a lot of the time going to events becomes a social thing instead of a competitive thing so he's like right if you feel like you can't overcome that moral hazard problem or you don't want to like join the group doing that stuff then you can you can still keep up but you don't have to like be super competitive or be in that space anymore if you don't feel like you can deal with that and and yeah. events can be more of a social thing so i don't know where i'm at with that yet but we will see so that's i i i, I, don't, I wish i had good advice i don't have it yeah i, I think it's really understandable like i said uh, it's something that's really fresh and i appreciate you speaking on that because i know that it, it's not something that you're settled in on yet right because it is so fresh but um if i might offer my own personal uh input and this is something that i thought about after the last time we talked because we talked saturday after it happened and this is something I thought about a little bit. I'm sorry to spring that on you because I know it hurts. No, I think um, I think it's valuable for people to hear uh, a more honest discussion about that because losing is part of the game. Getting having judge calls happen to you is a part of the experience, and uh, crushing defeat and uh, sadness is also part of the experience when you set any kind of expectation in anything. So there's I agree. Sometimes you you have to know when to be able to push through those barriers and sometimes you have to know when to cut bait and so i'm not sure where i'm at at that yet i haven't made that decision <laughs> so i guess no way to put it i guess <laughs> i guess i should say that well i guess what i'm trying to say is i faced a similar thing fairly recently where i realized that for one reason or another i was not going to be able to play the game at the highest competitive level that I wanted to play it at. Whether it's I don't want to constantly reinvest money into buying new cards to play newer decks or whether I don't want to constantly be 
you know, trying to learn this new thing that comes out in two weeks, or I don't want to devote that much time to learning the intricacies of a format that realistically I play very rarely. I haven't played Yu-Gi-Oh in like a month like or more. I haven't even touched the cards except for sorting. And that's not for a lack of love of the game or boredom or disinterest. I'm just really busy. So my... it's hard for me like i can kind of keep up with what's going on but for me it's really hard because of how busy i am with work and the podcast and my family it's hard for me in my head to um see events as anything other than a reason to go hang out with my friends um so I guess that's maybe where the difference in mentality is because I've had those kinds of weird things happen at events to me and I don't like it. I remember for YCS Charlotte last year, I really, really, really wanted to go in very hard and try very hard and do my best. I was playing Sword Soul at the time. I was I was pretty comfortable with the deck. I'd been playing it about three or four months. It was a very good deck at the time but prank kids adventure had just like really taken off it was probably the best deck it was the best deck it won that event and i remember uh round one i sat down against my opponent i said man i just really hope i don't see adventure prank kids today because it's like the best deck and i'm scared of that deck i don't really know everything that it does and my opponent goes really dang man yeah that would suck all right good luck duelist you may begin all right uh normal summon fancies oh so I think when you have that and then that translates into like a bad tournament for me where I end up in round six losing to Dino off of a pretty bad misplay. And I think when you take all that and bundle it into like, I traveled 14 hours. I drove overnight to get here, right? I'm running on 30 minutes of sleep in the last like 30 hours. And I'm doing all of this to play this game just to like just get rocked right whether it's due to misplay or a judge call and i understand like losing happens i understand judge calls happen i understand that like these things happen and they suck but for me losing is just as bad as that they suck no matter how i remember getting top eight of a case tournament and getting a game lost because i had other cards in my deck box and it was just heart-wrenching to me. I just like walked outside, walked out in the parking lot, and just like walked through the parking lot just because I was just yeah. disheartened, right? So now, like, if we're being real, I, I, was I think like... though for me the the mental shift though, like it's been the mental shift of like, oh, I'm going to see my friends. You know, I went to a tournament and didn't play like last month. I just didn't even play. I, I drove four hours to a regional just to see friends. And I'm not saying that you have to do that. I'm saying though that my camera just shuttered okay i thought my camera died because it's flashing red but um i don't know I, I guess that sometimes you just have to like uh decide kind of what you want out of the game and i want to see friends and other people want to be competitive and i think that everything is okay and all those options are okay it's just about finding where you're the happiest because if you're not happy, then what are any of us doing here? You know? 
That I is... know that none of that made sense. That was just kind of a long ramble, but no, I think that's that's exactly the conversation. Wow. That's exactly the conversation I'm having with myself, right? Like, right. do I want to be the person that calls a judge because a card is a little bent out of shape? And by the way, uh, that game one uh, didn't do me any favors. My hand was patchwork, patchwork, uh, edge of sabers, uh, Sharvara, Sharvara. <laughs> I was I was ending on Rage Escape that game. <laughs> um, so the that is the conversation I'm having with myself though is what relationship do I want to have with it going forward? Because do I want to stay competitive, but do I want to keep it like online and then I don't have to worry about all of the crappy stuff that happens at top tables? Um, it's tough because I'm, I'm pretty competitive by nature. I played a lot of basketball growing up, and uh, I, I tend to... I, I like to win, and the 1v1 experience is... is there's nothing quite like that that head-to-head -head battle, right? But... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know, but it is something to think about. I think you're right that you have to examine your relationship with the game and what you want out of it. And uh, yeah. I don't know what that is right now, so we'll find out. But while I do have the knowledge fresh in my head, if we have time, we can talk a little bit about the results. How are we doing? Well, let's uh, first off, tell me how much time we have left. Uh, you, that is a great question. I'm going to do a little quick peeky tab out and find out how long we've been recording. Because now that I'm not recording my stuff and you're doing it all through Discord, I genuinely have we no are idea. at We're at about 40 minutes, so I think we have time to talk about the we results. We have plenty of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so let's talk about... Let's talk about um, whether or an, actually before we do we're going to take a very short little breather from this is this was a heavy talk um, <laughs> I think it's an important one heavy for episode. people to hear Let's because go. examining your relationship with the game is important but mm -hmm. uh before we get into results before i forget uh we had a comment on spotify because on spotify you can do like a q a and like leave your feedback uh, you're gonna uh, you're gonna make me do this and then you're gonna roast me okay all right i see how it is yeah <laughs> well i gotta <laughs> So, while back, we had a vanquishal discussion uh, upon the release of Wild Survivors. I said that I do not think that, that the vanquishal deck will be worth more than, I either said $250 or $300. I don't remember which. Might have even been $350. I genuinely don't know. I don't think it'll be worth, let's just say $300 for ease of uh, conversation in four months' time. Well, the set released in June, which is the sixth month. Or did I say three months or four months? I don't remember. Doesn't matter. The deck's only worth 200 bucks. So I got flame for it because there's seven ultras. Ooh. Well, uh, doesn't matter. Yeah, turns out uh, for a while, the deck was topping like once every event and did not make top cut of this event. It is not there. So nope. I... Turns I, out there's something better. I concede. I was wrong. If anybody remembers what the bet was, uh, feel free to bring We're gonna it We're going to put the counter on the screen right here. Bing! Neither of us. Neither of us remembers what the if we bet anything or if there was one. Uh, so if no, any, we have no idea. If, but I know that the sunniest correct counter went up one instead bing. of down one. I will tell you what. Well, for that, I will clean slate the sunny misinformation counter. You're, you're, you are at zero right now. 
Sonny <laughs> misinformation counter to zero. Oh, boy, all right. Well, time to run. Let's, let's, let's see if we can change that. Let's see if we can okay. make that number go higher. All right. So let's talk about... Let's talk about... That's where we are, actually. That This might be it. We just did a whole conversation about you being like, yeah, I haven't played in a month. Anyway, let's talk about the... Let's talk about <laughs> the Vancouver meta. Vancouver <laughs> So I would like to put forward the case that Jesse Cotton is, at this point, in my opinion, the greatest player of all time in this game's history. Because he won again. This is his... Fifth YCS win and sixth premier event win if you include his UDS win, which I'll admit the also, UDS uh, win is basically a superpower. It it boosts the consistency of making top cut by like a million, but it doesn't matter. It's still insanely ridiculously uh impressive. And yeah. uh, to win with Unchained, kind of really showing how good that deck is. Let's talk about it. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. I think Jesse has a, I think Jesse has the best case, um, and uh, <laughs> there's some YCS next weekend. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, just just some food for thought there. Uh, I'm just gonna say, if Hoban comes back and wins next weekend, Hoban top. Oh, this the one. debate will rage. Hoban Hoban topped this one. Uh, he's he's back in swing. He topped the last. He topped the one. He got top four at Rio. So, I think to have yeah, that's true. Actually. I think. I, he, he, I believe his teammate top cut. Um, I, I'm almost positive they were top four. So, YCS Vancouver top 32 breakdown. I think we probably kind of have to go through this before we can kind of talk about Unchained's position. And Jesse actually posted a video we can talk about real quick. Um, Which so, is absolutely worth a watch. Yes, it's super insightful. Uh, fascinating to just kind of hear his like unfiltered thoughts after the event. Um, so, uh, the most represented deck in top cut is Unchained with nine out of the top 32. Uh, which is not that unsurprising, but the amount is maybe a bit shocking. Um, followed yeah. by six Dragon Link, which uh, I think people were not expecting as much of this deck. But so I think Dragon Link really overperformed. Uh, I don't. Uh, go ahead. I, I was gonna say I, I'll, I'll give my thoughts on that statement afterwards. Afterwards, okay. I personally thought there wouldn't be as much of it, uh, but. There being more unchained means it makes more sense. There's a profitable uh, banish in the Yama for the Bastilles. Um, followed by five Pirelli. Uh, deck still, even with everybody and their mother main decking Book of Eclipse and Book of Moon, Pearly still performing very well. Uh, followed by four Kashtira, which I think is the lowest it's been at any event in a long time. Um, two Fluanderies, uh, which is actually an interesting development. Uh, and then followed by the one ofs of Branded Chimera, Labyrinth, Infernoble, which did get top eight, uh, Rescue Ace, Sprite, which was Din Kang Fan, and Monadium. Uh, so it's a rather varied metagame, but with uh, a few like very clear top contenders. Uh, what are what are your thoughts, Sonny? Okay, so I'm. I'm looking up card text to make sure that I give accurate information because I, <laughs> as much as I joke about the counter, I don't want it to go up. All right. Okay, so I had a conversation with a friend today about why Unchained is so insanely good. Not just why Unchained is good, but why 
Dragon Link being the second most representative deck is not indicative of the deck overperforming at this particular event, but indicative of the deck being the second best deck in the format, especially now that Unchained is prevalent within the meta. Hmm. So I think the biggest key card that you need to look at is Bestial Druiswurm specifically. Um, if if this card is sent from the field to the graveyard, you can target one special summon monster opponent controls and send it to the graveyard. This essentially makes Bestial Druiswurm a three of in the deck, whereas before it was pretty normally like three Magnemut and like two to three Sarnir and one to two Druiswurm. You were playing like six to eight fish deals, and when it was being played as like a hand trap lineup, and I don't really think that you were playing three of all of them even in the Dragon Link deck. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know. I'm not a pro at this deck, or even in the meta right now. I don't know. But generally, from what I'm used to, you don't play three of everything. Uh, it, but Druid Swarm specifically now is so much better because it does not destroy an Unchained card. It sends, making. Druiswarm now a three of, which is why even if you look at the tins, the uh, Magnemots are four dollars for the secret out of the tin, whereas Druiswarm is like, ten. Like the Druiswarm, I think, They're is 10. the most expensive card in the tin now, <laughs> which is wild. And it's because of its impact in the Unchained matchup, yes. right? Now I understand that not all of the Unchains. I think they're all fiend, but they're all kind of like different typings a little bit here and there, or attributes. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, but even having those slightly different attributes, there's enough light and dark for it to still be impactful to have the Bistial. Yeah. So when you combine the Bistial still being impactful with Druiswurm specifically being so impactful, uh, I think that, and also Hieratic Heavenly Spheres is impactful, being able to bounce, right? Like the 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 types of interaction within D Link specifically are kind of tailored to beat the Unchained matchup. Yep. Now, what makes Unchained so interesting is that um, I'll be honest, I was on my phone when you were talking. I might be repeating what you said. I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, uh, specifically into the Unchained matchup, Kashira. Uh, is still very good, but I think it's really important to note. And it Kashira is not the best deck anymore. There's been a lot of discussion of players, potentially these high-level players like Jesse Cotton and Pack and whoever else, not playing Kashira because they felt like the deck... Oh, my camera died. Hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to switch cameras now because <laughs> my camera died true true oh yeah look at that drop in quality we got you so i think there's a lot of discussion that was had about Kashira still being the best deck and just not seeing the lines uh or just not seeing the amount of play because people are like oh it's gonna get hit by a ban list or oh it's mm. gonna get reprinted or whatever right so they sell all their cards or oh the deck's really boring and easy to play so these people have all these reasons that people aren't playing the deck well, that's just not it. It's just that Unchained is actually the best deck. And yep. this is evidenced by people like Pack, people like Jesse Cotton, people, you know, whoever you think the best players are right now, There's they're actually... probably all in that one Discord server that's got like 10 people. And they're probably all playing Unchained. So there's, or a, there's an interesting anecdote, actually. So uh, Marcus Patel and Aaron McInnes, two very strong European players. Marcus Patel, you sure. may know. As uh, the he won nationals with Sun Avalon, yeah, yeah, Sun Avalon the year before uh, Jess did, and uh, yep. Aaron McInnes is 
like topped a bunch of events and regionals and stuff. Very strong player. Yeah. Marcus Patel posted. He was like, so he topped the event. And he was like, I played Unchained. I brought Rescue Ace. And then I played a bunch of matches with Rescue Ace against Aaron playing Unchained. And I realized it was an unwinnable matchup. So I switched to Unchained. And he's like, I did not have much experience with the deck. And I got top 32. And it's like... I think a lot of decks are going to come to that realization that actually they can't beat Unchained. <laughs> like, yes. So one thing that Jesse Cotton talks about in his video, oh, and also Jesse Cotton uh, is citing two copies of Druvisworm for exactly that reason. Even in Unchained, just playing the Druvisworm is worth it. Yes. Um, it's just a good card. So in Jesse's video, he talks about whether he should be using board breakers to beat the board or whether he should be using hand traps to stop it from happening. And he's like, I went with the board breakers because I think it's a better option. But honestly, they both kind of suck. Um, and when you look at the side deck options you have against Unchained going first, or there are some better options going first. Uh, Abyss Dweller, if your deck can make it, is probably the strongest. But the interactions into Kashtira are such that, like, Unchained doesn't really care that much about Droll at all. And it doesn't care about Dimension Shifter, really. Like, yeah, it stops the Sarama, but you can play through Shifter. Um, or not the not the Sarama. Uh, it stops. Well, it does kind of stop Sarama. It stops the Sharvara search. But the Unchained cards just have to be destroyed. They don't have to be sent to the graveyard. So you can easily push through Dimension Shifter. Right. Coincidentally, you can also very easily shift through a Rise Heart. Uh, yeah. And, and that means that Kashtira, which already had consistency issues and a lot of people were playing because of the power, now has a matchup that's not great. Suddenly, when you have yes. a deck that has consistency problems and a good deck with a matchup that's not great, you don't want to play it anymore because you'd rather play the thing that beats cash. So people are off yeah, of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think lists, lists have evolved, uh, and I think we will see cash players retool, but they're, they're not going to go back to the top. Uh, what worries me is the uh, is the possibility of cash tier not getting hit on this balance. No, no, no. Of this. They still need to, they still need to, they need to ban a rise heart, and barring that, they have got a ban burst. Uh, the, cash, the problem is, like, a lot of decks that I think could play well in this format still are locked out by the existence of cash. Yep. Like, and I think people are still having to play cards for that matchup that ideally they wouldn't have to. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, I, I think it still has to go. I hope that they don't. I do think, however, there are some decks that we can probably not hit now that we've seen this. One sprite to top this event. One sprite yeah. top this event. No nice sprite power No runics top this event. Runic. I I don't know if sprite and runic has. I don't know if they've both been power crept, but they don't feel as good as they did six months ago. Yeah. I know that. So people are also busting out some absolutely wild tech to play. The most famous one for this event. So Jesse Cotton is signing three copies yeah. of Marion at might. Which, if you don't know, is essentially hand like hand hand trap. Uh, spell it's spelled well. It's not a quick effect, but from the hand. Think about electric virus. Yeah, it's electric virus for fiends and zombies. Um, uh, I could see. So what's interesting about this is that there are some decks that could play like Zombie World as a floodgate to deal with Unchained because it stops them from making Yama uh, and does some other fiend stuff that you can't do. Uh, but yeah. if you play Marionette Might, uh, Zombie World is not very effective against Unchained. So like you have yeah the side like but the fact that you have to reach that deep into the pool is like indicative of how big a problem it is you can't really get away with the gravekeeper's inscription unless your deck can already play it uh, your deck has to be able to make a mist dweller right um 
DD Grapekeeper's Crow is Inscription, like... I think, has the same problem because the other big card I saw a lot of people talking about was Deck Lockdown. I think it's going to run into a similar issue. You have to be able to play under it. I've seen people post just like Runic Amano Iwato stun with like main deck, deck Lockdown, and Gravekeeper's Inscription, Time Terry Morganite. And, and if like, that's where we're at, then that deck's good. Exactly. <laughs> like if that's where the, the depths we're reaching to, we got a problem. Um, there can be only also... one is like, I think the only like real blowout going first that does what you want right i think it's also worth considering which decks have the kinds of interaction that interact well with unchained so i mentioned this before we were recording and i stand by it i think sword soul is probably going to be a great choice into the unchained matchup i don't just say that because i love sword soul if you really think about the types of interaction that Sortol presents, being able to shuffle with Baxia, being able to non-targeting banish with Cheng Ying from both field and grave. Yep. Uh, if you look at even, you know, uh, the the Tengi Berserker, the Synchro 8, he banishes, right? Yazi can't be targeted. You have these different kinds of interaction that make... Even if you look at, say, the Kijing Longyan, where if they special summon or activate, he banishes and burns. He doesn't destroy, yeah. right? That's kind of the perks of Konami building these decks that have these varied types of interaction is that sometimes they interact really, really uniquely with each other. Even having the ability to, if you can, like, say, Normal summon an Adhara, right? If you have a Vishuda in your hand, you can bounce the Caesar yep. that they have on board. You know, and, and that one's a bit more specific, right? Like Caesar might be a bigger issue to deal with. But I think in that situation, like I, I think your yep. build is basically playing like three imperms, and then you're probably playing things like talents and board breakers and dark ruler or whatever. Even though well, not dark ruler, because dark ruler is probably terrible into the matchup. But yeah. You you understand what I'm saying with like these varied kinds of interaction and mm -hmm. Maybe, I don't know, you're just really going to have to look at deck construction and what decks interact the best with Unchained, because I think right now Unchained is the best deck. Yep. And I think, importantly, it's going to be decks that both can take advantage of uh, the, how Unchained interacts and how you can interact with it, and uh, decks that take advantage of the cards that people are playing now to beat Unchained. Uh, a deck that made top 8 at this event that I think we will start to see more of is Infernoble. Uh, if people are yeah. shifting to board breakers as the mechanism to beat the unchained deck, uh, but they're not playing Dark Ruler specifically because um, Dark Ruler isn't very good into the unchained matchup, yeah, Infernoble has right. a very good time. Their board uh, plays quite well into stuff like Talents and Thrust because they end on uh, the two of the Charles, and that's a double spell trap negate. Uh, and uh, it also plays quite well through interaction. So if people are only playing like one high impact hand trap, you can play through it. Uh, especially now that yes. Droll is starting to fade out, although honestly the deck doesn't really fold the Droll at all. Uh, so it's not I'm not surprised at all that Infernoble made top 8. I think we'll see more of it. Um, there, I think one final thing I want to say is that if you have a rogue deck that you think you can pilot well, this is the format to be trying to play it in. Uh, when people are teching for yeah. Unchained and it's starting to now move into that concentration, you can start to pull it out. Um, there was a player who was 7-0 on Blackwing and then lost the last three in a row. Oof. Uh, so we, uh, Blackwing almost topped this YCS. Um, there's and there were there were there were what tons, could have been yeah tons of stuff in that room that could have hit that one up slot. 
the other, the last thing that I want to mention is that two Fluandres is also not a joke. Uh, not only is this deck unbelievably cheap because of the tin reprints of uh, Advent, uh, yeah. so long as you have Prosperities, uh, it, it is actually quite good. Um, it, it is very funny that um, Fluandres, I think, is actually like probably maybe the deck that has the best matchup going second into the Unchained board. Because you cannot activate Rage, because Rage specifically has to be a special summon monster, and Caesar specifically is special summons. So Fluandaries mm -hmm. doesn't really play into their board at all. So the only disruptions that the Unchained player has at their disposal are Abominable Soul and then Escape of the Unchained. Uh, so Fluandaries plays quite well into their board. It's just a matter of like defending right. from the crackback, right? So right. there are those decks exist that have reasonable matchups with Unchained. But they are few and far between. They have other weaknesses. And the cards you can play to beat Unchained are weird and you often need multiple of them so we're yeah jesse cotton said it best in his video he was like i am not saying that unchained is tier zero i don't think we're there yet he's like but we may be heading in that direction because the more i think about it the harder it is to beat the stack <laughs> it's yeah. wild Ugh. well i think that that is a great place to stop that part of the discussion mm -hmm. we have a couple of things that we want to hit on very lightly uh, some discussions that were had on Twitter. But before we do that, why don't you tell me where we are at on time again? Because yeah. we're so probably we getting are really close. At, uh, we are at we are at 59 minutes. We are at almost an hour. Uh, All right. Well, we'll do uh, both of these extremely quickly. Let's do it. Um, we got the reveals for the uh, structure deck for the Jack Atlas structure deck. Mm -hmm. uh, the deck is like fine, I guess. Uh, I don't look at this deck as being something that's going to produce a competitive meta contending deck. Um, but what I do look at it is a wasted opportunity to reprint Pot of Prosperity. I guess maybe they're trying to push it in the rarity collection, but like, I guess, people, whatever. People I mean, the card's anyway. going to be cheap after the rarity collection. Yeah. I just hate that it still won't have a common because nothing in the rarity collection is getting a common. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you can go get your ulti. Or you can go get your collect your collector's rare or your quarter century secret rare mm -hmm. or whatever you want. But the card's not gonna be expensive. Even the supers are gonna be like two, three, four bucks. Yeah. I don't uh, think anything in that set is gonna be expensive on a card by card basis. Cause I think you can get the supers of any card in this set, unless they're short printed. That's gonna be the key, like printing ratios or whatever. But the card's yeah. gonna be cheap. My issue though is that it's been over a year since the card's been reprinted. There's not really an excuse for this card to still be 30 to $40. And it single-handedly prevents people from playing decks. Like, I kind of want to play Unchained, but I can't. I kind of want to play... I really want to play Chimera, but, like, all the deck lists are playing Prosperity, and that's for a reason. It's because it's good. If you want to play like, Flu as your anti-meta deck, the rest of the core is cheap. Gotta have Prosperity. Because it's like, you, you exactly. can play jack in hand but like you're not gonna yeah so anyway it, they put extrav in here they should have an x the one in the ocg structure was extrav also but they also have already had accessible printings of prosperity and we have not so it's hard for me to find a silver lining when extrav has five released printings already including a structure at common and a gold rare both of which are about a dollar and 
Prosperity has two released printings. The reason I say released is because technically there's a pot collection uh, printing coming, and then mm -hmm. technically there's the rarity collection, but the rarity collection is still two months away. So, like, does that even count? I don't think so. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, well, I do one other thing about the very quickly about the structure deck is that uh, Hotbred Dragon Archfiend King Calamity is in the structure deck, which means if we get a ban list this month uh, or next month, frankly, uh, Calamity will not be on that list. So. Be prepared. For, Not necessarily. Be prepared for calamity lock. I, I don't think it, it. Okay, either it means that they're going to ban it and print it anyway, or it means that we're not getting the ban list until after the structure deck releases, and that would suck. Didn't they just reprint a banned card recently? Uh, They'll do that, anything. That was that was branded expulsion. I mean, I guess they will do anything, but like expulsion was a common, right? This is like a core part of the game plan for the deck. <laughs> so. Uh, I would I would like to see them do the right thing. I don't know that they will. They could I mean they could just ban Crimson Dragon too, but like eh, whatever. I mean you also had like the the punk deck doing it like early in the day when O line was released or like when O line came off the ban list. I don't know, like that was how April of last year. It was like yeah. the Hauk deck was doing it. The quick yeah. synchro there, setups. It's been are, done before. The quick synchro setups are way more vulnerable to other forms of interruption. Whereas the Crimson Dragon tag out, it's like it has to be a quick play spell in the draw phase. Uh, yeah. But anyway. All right. Uh, the other thing that I want to touch on very quickly, uh, we did mention we were going to talk about it. I would feel bad if we didn't now. Uh, play mats with or without zones. Go. Okay, so this originated from a Reddit post. Uh, somebody posted, I think that playmats without zones should be banned. Uh, and that is, first off on his face, that's a wild... CMV. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. CMV. CMV. I think in an ideal world, I actually agree with them. Uh, my view is that it, it, when you can take any step to eliminate cheating or reduce confusion for new players, you should take it. However, I think the circumstances with which this comes up are limited. So I'd say I, I'd say it's probably not necessary, but I would be in favor of the change. I think it's, it's objectively better to have that be the change, but it's not such a pressing issue that it needs to be addressed in that way, is my view. I broadly and vaguely agree. However, <laughs> I love that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going and putting a highlighter to my spell grounds and Konami mm. doesn't make nice enough cloth mats for me to have a play mat that doesn't have that has zones so with that said I want to use a high quality play mat both to protect my cards and to have a more enjoyable experience with the game I think that a more reasonable uh, uh, middle of the road solution here a compromise uh, would be to make usage of field centers mandatory agreed uh, as well as getting uh, uh judges to enforce the proper use of zones within the game state so uh for example when you go to your locals and you see that dude with like the calculator case with all the pens and like the cards in it and mm -hmm. Uh, he's got a TI-84 graphing calculator, and then he's got the spell grounds, and he's got his deck up in the upper right-hand corner with the graveyard below it and the banished pile below that. Yeah. Uh, that shouldn't be like that. You can call a judge on that. That's totally a reasonable thing to call a judge on because that's completely not allowed. Like, you go watch a Konami stream. They don't let them do it on the stream. There's a reason for that. The reason that it's laid out like that, or 
It's not the reason that it's laid out like that. But the reason that it makes sense for it to be laid out like that in the modern age is because you are the only person touching your deck unless it is being cut. So that deck, that can be closest to you. The graveyard, however, is public knowledge. Your opponent can just like, hey, can I see your graveyard? Grab it, fan it out, look at your whole graveyard, put it back, and put it back. Like, they can just grab your graveyard and look. Like, yeah, like, be polite, ask permission first, sure. But, like, they can just look. Same thing with the Banish Zone. Face-up Banish cards are public knowledge. So it makes sense for these things to be here where they're accessible for your opponent. Uh, I think it was uh, Josh Nick, I think, a head judge, uh, came on Farfa's stream at some point and did like an hour-long interview. It was a great discussion. And this was one of the things he mentioned. And ever since he said that, I'm like, wow, he's just objectively correct. But I think use of a field center and... A little bit of common sense when you're sitting down in a match look at your opponent and go hey that trap card or spell card that you set in your back row is kind of in you know not really defined area can you just you know help me out which column is that in i'm just yeah. trying to be you know be clear because that takes 10 seconds and it's really easy to do and if somebody asks you to do that you need to not be a, a piece of crap just acknowledge oh my bad you're right this is like really ambiguous let me just like clarify uh this is being placed in the center column you know and let's move on that's all that's all you need yep you know I'm with you i think new players don't have that base of knowledge to <laughs> know that they can ask that question so sure i think maybe it could make it more clear for people but like there's there's also tons of things like that that you need to know at like a, yep. at a very at a higher level so it's, it's just something to add to the stack, I guess. But I think it's an interesting discussion because it's like a an interesting new player experience versus like experienced yeah. players at X level event. It's like, it's it's something that we got to reckon with. So I think I think this person was being unfairly roasted for this take because I actually think in an ideal world, they're right. But I do think there's a lot more nuance than uh, a person than saying, this, this why out. are you booing me? Yeah, I'm, I'm right. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's go ahead names? and thank all of our patrons. Yeah, a, let's yeah. let's thank the patrons. Well, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so thank you, of course, to uh, Bring Red Reboot Back to Three, Kane Hart and Zyphorus, Big Stinky, Blue Eyes is Best, Copium, Ding Dong's Hostess of the Yang Zing, Free My Homie Gazelle. He said he's sorry. Gold Secrets coming back when, Konami? True. I like Gold Secrets. Mm. HGH Shiver. I used to play Rogue, but then my mom got a job. Is Canada Nickelback, John Leal, Level 4 Fire Warrior Gaming. Mountain Man, Oatmeal Spaghetti, Owen Alvarado, Pistol Place Pendulum. She droll on my lock till I bird. <laughs> Silver Hope, understanding and reading are two different things. Virtually Savior's World, as anyone read Toy Vendor, it's kind of like reading Miss Gars, Aaron Gardner, Alexander Chan, Asami, Ashlish Chaps, Atsuyo, Simp of the Silver Castle, Blackwing Silver in the Ascendant is the best floodgate, box wine, come on and get your game on duty, booty, dragon maiden, list behavior, I'm about to read your glimmer trip across these plant nuts in your mouth, can the anti-magical hats guy, Maxi Pack, Neshi, Old Man Red, Pinko143, and Slaking It Up. Thank you all so much for your continued support of the podcast, and of course, be sure to check out all of our affiliate links in the description down below, and of course, be sure to, today, as of this airing uh go check out farfa's subathon it is probably still going and if you tune in today you can actually see our own avian individual he will be on farfa subathon doing fluffle gaming and spreading the good word of the podcast just like you should be to all your friends at locals uh, i will be i will be on farfa subathon tomorrow uh, i don't remember the exact time i believe it's 2 30 uk time so do the math uh <laughs> but um skyhawk do you realize that like seven o'clock in the morning for you 
Uh, it's so it's a seven hour difference. So it is. Uh, it's nine. Like seven thirty in the morning. It's nine. It's nine thirty for me. No, you're right. It's seven thirty. No, you're right. It's seven. I was about to say. I think you did your yeah. math wrong. No, I realize. Uh, because I work at twelve. This is the best way for for it to make it work. So I will be up bright and early. Ah. Um. Oh, boy. Yep. Let's do like PhD level combos at seven thirty in the morning. That sounds like it's gonna be great. I, listen, uh, this this conversation last last YCS tidbit, and then we can get out of here. Um, this conversation came up while we were at karaoke drunk. <laughs> we were like, so, so, so my friend Sam from Locals was like, uh, "Hey, you, um, uh, so like, it, how can you do like the the fluffle stuff? Like, can anybody do what you do?" And I was like, "Listen, there are probably five people who are who are living." It's it's uh it's David uh from the regional grind, uh and uh, myself Ease uh, and Synapse and Outback probably are the only people who can do the fluffle combos at at a high level, uh and I was like yes and I'm the only person who can do them drunk, <laughs> <And that's, laughs> so I think I will be okay. <laughs> that deck's so crazy. I, I, I think that, that deck got labbed by people like like that magical 10 person discord server that's back to back at the moment i think that that deck could be labbed into infinity but i don't think the deck list gets any better i think they just learn the combo lines yeah. and realize it's the best deck in the room I, but I, I don't think the deck gets any I don't better think, okay it's definitely not the best deck in the room i do think it can play right now though sometime this week i will have a very long video tutorial out showing everybody how to make it work so that they have a month to play i think it that you are selling it short i think it actually is the best deck right now and it's just that it's not being played by enough people I, for the representation to, to translate i appreciate your faith uh, that's all the time we have for today uh i don't have a card pun for you uh this is the collector's rare pancratops that i got from i wish i was dead uh the camera does not do it justice it is beautiful uh i wish i was dead you are the goat uh mbt is a peener and uh we will see you all next time take care everybody